Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and welcome in to a week seven preview of the three and three Washington Commanders traveling up to MetLife Stadium to face the one and five New York Giants, led by Brian Dayball in year two of his tenure leading the Giants. Look, regression was expected from me from this Giants roster this year. At one and five, after making the playoffs last year, where they surprised teams every single week, they didn't surprise anybody thus far in the 2023 campaign. And we're going to get into the bones of this roster. Offense, defense, special teams, their injuries, how Washington can take advantage of those injuries, the mishmash of bodies that they have within their front five, who ultimately is going to be starting at quarterback on Sunday. But the bottom line is that the Giants right now are in the basement of the NFC East and struggling to find any positives, again, as they move now into week seven. Fresh off of a Sunday night loss in Buffalo to where it looked like they were going to steal that football game from the Buffalo Bills, but they didn't. It's a loss. And now they travel home in a massive divisional matchup. It's going to be Washington's second divisional game. They're currently 0-1 after their overtime loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a big game for the Burgundy and Gold to get to 1-1 in the division and more so get to 4-3 before you come back home after a quick two-game road trip and face the Philadelphia Eagles again, who have a massive matchup against the 5-1 Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football, which is going to be an excellent matchup where a game that very easily could be a potential defensive showdown where it's 16-16 entering the fourth, or it could be a just a old Big 12 college type of shootout where it's 35-28 entering the fourth quarter. Who knows? So that's going to be a fun one to watch on Sunday night. But Sunday afternoon, again, 1 o'clock, we got Washington in New York. So if you're new here, first off, welcome. We are getting in, again, to the nuts and bolts of this Giants roster. Why are they 1-5? Should they be winning more games? Should they not have a win? We're going to get into everything here. But it starts for them under center with Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor, who we saw start last week at the Buffalo Bills. Daniel Jones was limited in practice on Thursday. Recording this podcast on Friday morning. So early reports as far as practice today and his game status is currently unknown, but he is tracking to not play on Sunday. He's not cleared for contact again, even though he was limited in practice yesterday. So it may be Virginia Tech product Tyrod Taylor, who's bounced around the league a bunch, but he is a game manager and someone that can run this offense in my opinion, from a passing perspective, just as well as Daniel Jones. And I don't think that's a crazy statement to say, considering what we've seen from Tyrod over his years in the NFL as a starter and as a backup, and what we saw last week. 
He just comes in. If he wants to take a deep shot, he will. If he wants to create with his legs, he will. He won't put the ball in precarious situations a ton. Does he have the big arm? Crazy accuracy and ball placement 15 to 25 yards down the field? No. They're not going to be over-creative with him using his legs as a dual-threat option, RPOs or zone reads or anything like that because he is an older body over that 30-year-old threshold at the quarterback position. He's athletic, but he is not as athletic right now as what Daniel Jones can be in the run game where we've seen it in the past with Washington to where Daniel Jones, you look up at halftime and the guy's got over 90 yards on the ground. But if it is Tyrod Taylor this week, it's not going to be easy on every single down for this Washington defense to say, look, we're going to pin our ears back and there's going to be a quarterback that has no clue what he's doing. This is not the days of a Tommy DeVito or a Kyle Lawletta standing back there for the Giants. It's not it. Tyrod Taylor can run this offense. However, outside of the Arizona Cardinals game early in the year for this Giants team, they have scored one offensive touchdown. They have five offensive touchdowns, guys, in 2023 through six games. Four of them came in one game. So in those other games, they have one combined offensive touchdown. So when I look at Washington's defense and I look at Washington's front four, who looks to be healthy, who looks to be ready to go, luckily the injury bug has not hit Washington like it has with New York, specifically with what New York's front five looks like this week, which we will get into. But it starts with the front four dominating this week. One-on-ones and double teams. It does not matter. They have got to be dominant. This is a game to where it, five, six, seven or more sacks, got to get there. You're going to have to stay disciplined in your rush lanes because I mentioned Tyrod Taylor, he can move. He is not a static quarterback. Everyone wants to stand in the pocket. He can move a little bit. By no means Lamar Jackson. What we've seen with Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen this year. But he can move. And he can make throws outside the pocket, and he'll pick up an extra 5 or 10 if you give him a rush lane. But this front four and front seven, going back to the linebackers, Jamin Davis, Cody Barton, Kalik Hudson, who we saw a little bit in week six, which was good to see, they have to be disciplined both in those A and B gaps up the middle and keeping the edges, which they did a good job of last week against the Atlanta Falcons. So that is really the... the Biggest storyline of this game is who is going to start under center for the Giants? Because right now, one and five, it's do or die almost for this Giants roster, especially when you got divisional games at home. Divisional games are tough. Divisional games on the road, from Washington's perspective, are never easy. But you get to one and six and you lose a divisional game, not good. As you sit here now on October 20th and you move forward into the later October weeks where you quickly look up and it's Thanksgiving and you only got two wins with about five, six games to go. So that's where the Giants are right now. Not looking towards April just yet, but they are struggling for positives. And it would be terrible for Washington to come into this game as they did at home in primetime against Chicago and completely shit the, pit, shit the bed. That's exactly what happened in Chicago against a bad football team. 
You cannot show up against a bad football team and give them chances to say, look, we can keep ourselves in this ballgame or we can win this ballgame. And in Chicago's perspective, they came in and dominated that ballgame. That cannot happen this week. If Washington goes into New York and completely lays an egg and gets to 3-4 and four and 0-2 oh and in the division, not good, guys. This is not a must-win, but this is a huge game to where you look at the talent and you look at the execution from both of these teams through nearly two months of the campaign, and it's just different levels. They ha- Washington has to execute better early in that ball game, the first three series on offense and first three series on defense to get their feet wet in that football game, to look up at the scoreboard at halftime and be up. And not just by three, but maybe 10 or 14 to put a bad team away at home to where Giants fans are going to be there. Giants fans are passionate, but they're going to be on edge to where at any chance they're going to try to rain down booze on this Giants roster. So that is the quarterback position. We will see if it's Daniel Jones. We will see if it's Tyrod Taylor. Moving on to the backfield, you guys know the name. Saquon Barkley, former top five pick out of Penn State years ago. One of the most electric athletes in football, and we've seen him burn Washington before. He'll go into a game with 60 combined rushing yards in uh, the last month. And he'll come into Washington and he'll rush for 150 and get in the end zone two times. They cannot have that this week. They have to force, like last week, Bijan Robinson, where they held him and Tyler Algier to both under 100 yards combined. They have to limit Saquon Barkley this week. Force Tyrod Taylor to beat them with his arm. Again, an electric athlete, both in the run game and in the passing game. But a running back is no good without a decent average offensive line. That's where we're at with Saquon Barkley and trying to expect what he can do this week against Washington's front four that is headlined by the names that you guys know and a front seven with the linebackers that are athletes that were better overall against Atlanta, in my opinion. Got to see more from Cody Barton, but overall, Jamin Davis, Khalid Hudson, I like what I saw against Atlanta because it is relatively still early in the season. We've yet to reach the midway point. So it is relatively still early in the season, but Saquon Barkley can take it the distance at any point. He's got great vision. He's got great footwork. He's always falling forward. One of the strongest running backs in football, especially in the lower half. Contact balance is just elite. Arm tackles will not work. One guy in space, unless you get him by the ankles, will not work. Gotta have guys rallying to the football. All 11 hats if you can to the ball when Saquon Barkley's got the ball in his hands. Because again, he is electric. He's lightning in a bottle and can take it the distance in any play. It's just the injuries for him have continued to pile up since he came out of Penn State. But when he's healthy, he is one of the most dynamic running backs in all of football. Behind him is Matt Breida, a veteran in this league. Um, He provides some special teams pop as well for them. Haven't seen it a ton this year, but we've seen it in years past. But he's someone that will take some carries from him and also get some, um, some targets in the passing game. They drafted Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, former five-star recruit, was at Tennessee in his college career, but finished his collegiate career at Oklahoma as a Sooner. I like his game a lot. Shorter guy, provides special teams pop. You guys will see him at kick returner. Doesn't get a ton of snaps on offense, but if Saquon were to miss any time on Sunday where he goes out with an ankle injury or anything like that, Eric Gray is going to come in as that RB2 and get some snaps. And he's an interesting ball carrier, again, as a day three pick out of Oklahoma. So it is Barkley, it is Breida, and it is Gray as their three-headed 
backfield to where they do a lot of different things, specifically with Brita and Gray, to where they're in the passing game, and specifically with Eric as a guy that can provide some special teams pop as well. So from there, let's get to the issues <laughs> along this front five for the New York Giants. Um, huge blow this week after all the injuries they've had to Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert and John Michael Schmitz, their day two pick out of Minnesota at center. Shane Lemieux, one of their interior offensive linemen, uh, blew out his bicep this week. So tore his bicep this week. He will be out remainder for the remainder of the season, most likely. And they just continue, guys, to take blows along this front five. Um, there's no way around it. They're not bringing in bodies off the streets that are going to be pro bowlers. Guys are going to come in and be dominant. Um, it is a mishmash of shit that the Giants are having to go through right now uh, within the trenches. Left tackle, again, Andrew Thomas, they drafted um, from Georgia a couple years ago. Had a really good year two after struggling in year one. He has not been healthy. and He continues to battle injury. I believe it's a hammy that he's been battling. He has not practiced all week. Most likely not going to play. Same thing with John Michael Schmitz in the middle. He has not practiced all week. Don't expect him to be there. Shane Lemieux, again, I just mentioned, tore his biceps. He will not be there. So most likely... From what we saw against Buffalo, they brought over Justin Pugh, signed him from the practice squad, former first-round pick back in 2013, a decade ago, to play left guard for them. He aligned at left guard against Buffalo. Midway through that game, he has to slide out to left tackle. He allowed a, couple, a sack in his debut, three pressures. From within the interior, we're going to see some sort of combination of Mark Lewinsky or Ben Bredesen. Mark Glowinski has been limited in practice. I expect him to go, but he's not 100%. I mean, is anybody, right, 100% at this point in time? You're not, everyone is not going to be 100% on a football roster as you move forward to the midway points of the season. But just some teams have just so many injuries where you're piling up and you're bringing guys off the streets to play football for you. And that's what the Giants are doing along this front five. Uh, right guard, we've seen snaps from Marcus McKeithen. We've seen Jalen Mayfield play there. We've seen, Mark again, Mark Lewinsky's played some both guard, sp guard spots. It is Marcus McKeithen, who I think is going to align at right guard for them. Day three pick out of North Carolina back in 2022. Arguably had one of his better games of his early, the early portions of this season against Buffalo. Uh, hasn't allowed a sack in two weeks, but has allowed multiple pressures in every single game this week. Allowed three against Buffalo, two against Miami, and four pressures against Seattle. That's his last three games. So when he's playing right guard, John Allen, Deron Payne, John Ridgeway, the team cut Abdullah Anderson and brought him back to the practice squad this week. Not expecting him to be activated. But Phil Mathis, he said that he feels healthy, maybe ready to go soon. Maybe not this week, but moving forward, but this rotation of interior D linemen for Washington has got to be able to push the pocket. Whoever aligns within the interior for, for the Giants, because I, I cannot sit here and say this is their group from left tackle to right tackle, because they swap almost every, every other series. There's a different body in there at a different spot. Again, I mentioned they signed Justin Pugh from their practice squad to play against Buffalo to start at left guard, where he was drafted out of Syracuse again 10 years ago. Played left guard for nine snaps, guys, and then had to slide out to left tackle. 
playing guard, playing tackle at the NFL level is not easy. Especially someone like Justin Pugh, who's been at guard basically his entire career and has been in the streets and comes in and plays against Buffalo at left tackle, not left guard. They have a mishmash of crap going on. Within this group, Washington has got to get after them. There is no excuse this week for Jack Del Rio to just consistently send four. Blitzing six, sending seven, being unique in your twists and your stunts, mugging up guys in the A and B gaps to cause confusion from center to guard to tackle. Who's coming? Who's not? We are probably going to see their tight ends stay and block. Their running backs stay in and block and provide not just five-man protections, but six and seven-man max protects against Washington's front. But Jack Del Rio, we sit back this week and rush four, and they've got a seven-man protection. Look, they're not complete turnstiles. They're not road cones, guys. They're not, they're not far from it right now. They've allowed the second most sacks in the league, right behind Washington. But they're NFL ball players, just some big bodies, and when you got extra help, two-on-ones against everybody, you like your math there in certain situations to get the ball to your hands quick. So I'm expecting Jack Del Rio to get after whoever is under center this week. Limiting the run game early in that ball game, forcing them consistently into long third and down situations, but not just sending pressure on third downs. Send it on first down, force them into a first and 15. Second down, force them into a second and 17 or 18. Force them to make plays. If they beat you on a certain play, you tip your cap. But they know that you're not going to sit back and take it all day long up and down the field when this front five can start to mesh a little bit and get some confidence. Momentum in sports, you guys know, is a scary thing. For a one in five football team looking for any sort of positives, the last thing you need from Washington's perspective is for this front five to start moving around bodies along this front four. You can't have it. Every week, Washington's success on defense starts within the front four. They push the pocket this week with consistency as I expect them to. It makes life easier on the second level and the corners as well. And it changes what you can do, whether you want to run zone consistently or whether you run, want to run some more man, which we've seen early in the 2023 campaign, both for the better and for the worse at times in Washington's first six games, right? We've seen it against Chicago. We saw it against Buffalo. We saw it against Philadelphia, where at times it was really ugly on the back end. But if you're getting after the quarterback in under two and a half seconds and making life hell to where their entire playbook is five-yard dump-offs and swing passes out of the backfield and everybody just coming downhill making open field tackles, that's a game plan that I like for Jack Del Rio. So from there, let's move to the outside where we are going to look at This tight ends group, it is headlined by their top pass catcher, their top weapon, their top athlete outside of Saquon Barkley, and that is Darren Waller, who they brought over from the Las Vegas Raiders this offseason. He is going to be heavily featured in this passing game, no matter if it's Daniel Jones or it's Tyrod Taylor. He currently leads the team in targets with 40. He's got 28 catches for 281 yards, good for about 10 yards a pop. He has not reached the end zone. Guys, I've mentioned their struggles on offense. I'll say it again. Four touchdowns came against the Arizona Cardinals. They have one touchdown in all of their other games. Five offensive touchdowns in six games, guys, for this Giants roster. 
through the air, the only guys to reach the end zone are, are Saquon Barkley and Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins was a good real story last year for the Giants. Currently six on the team in targets with 14, but it's really Darren Waller, again, at this tight end position, who we will see. They really like Daniel Bellinger, but he is someone that is a blocking Y tight end. Think of John Bates. That is what Daniel Bellinger is for this offense as their tight end too. Really physical, was the best blocking tight end when he came out of San Diego State back in 2022. So he'll stick his face in in the run game, trying to provide some creases. You have to seal a five tech or an outside linebacker at the second level. Daniel Bellinger will do that for you. Again, really good blocker, but just somebody that is not going to be dynamic over the middle of the field like we are going to see from Darren Waller. So I can't say it enough. Guys over the middle of the field, we saw it last week, big against right, right Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith. Cam Curl, the safeties and Percy Butler, Kalik Hudson, Jamin Davis, those guys right over the middle of the field, they're going to be big again this week. Darren Waller's been heavily featured, especially these last few weeks to where really week one and week two wasn't a lot of work for him. I mean, five targets against Dallas, seven targets against Arizona, right? Over 10 targets in two games, but that's not what they brought him in to be. They brought him in to be a 9, 10, 11 target per game type of talent over the middle of the field. And we've seen that the last two weeks. So at Miami in week five game, they lost eight catches on 11 targets for 86 yards. Then he comes back against Buffalo, five catches on seven targets. So just these last two weeks, Darren Waller's got 18 targets combined. So he has been a heavily featured weapon that they want him to be. And now the execution from the quarterback position is, hey, we're going to get you involved no matter what. This is what we have to do to get our offense going a little bit. If it's just a bunch of seven to 10 yard dump offs here and there to Darren Waller consistently up and down the field, that's how the Giants are going to make their living. In the red zone, he's their number one target. It's not Darius Slayton on the outside. It's not going to be Isaiah Hodgins. They drafted Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. He's a burner, guys, on the outside. Um, you look at that Tennessee offense the last few years with him, Hendon Hooker slinging it down in Knoxville with Cedric Tillman, and that Josh Heupel offense to where they were extremely spread out east to west, and it was just go routes. Go route, go route, go route. That's what Jalen Hyatt ran. Um, at Tennessee, and he's done some a little bit for New York thus far, but has not been heavily featured in this offense. Through six games, he's eighth on the team in, in targets. He's got seven catches for nine yards, excuse me, seven catches for on nine targets, 120 yards, 17.1 yards a catch. So he's one of their bigger play threats, if you will, vertically, north-south. Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Just, how you counter that, force him to get off the line of scrimmage. That's what I expect. If they want to play too high this week because they respect the speed of Jalen Hyatt, Wondell Robinson over the middle of the field has been heavily featured as well. They could do that. That's fine. I'm not scared of these receivers. Why? Because the quarterback has to get the ball to them, right? Everything correlates. But Jalen Hyatt can take the top off the defense. They drafted Wondell Robinson out of Kentucky in 2022 on day two in the second round. He's been battling some injuries, battled it last year in his rookie year where he missed most of the year. Now has come back this season and has a really nice workload. 25 targets, has caught 22 passes, 141 yards, and again, has not reached the end zone. But everything he does is a lot like Curtis Samuel a little bit to where screens, designated touches, sitting in zone over the middle of the field, turn and run. Not a dynamic athlete after the catch right now, early in his career, to where he's not the biggest body, he's about 5'8" but 180 pounds, 
He can make guys miss, don't get me wrong, but he's not going to run through tackles a ton, and he's not going to make two, make two or three guys miss consistently, at least at what we have not seen yet from him in his early career. Again, second round pick out of Kentucky back in 2022. So through the air, Darren Waller, Darius Slayton, who's been around a long time for New York. That's a name that all NFC East followers know. They know Darius Slayton. He's been there for so long. It's Sterling, not Sterling Shepard, Wondell Robinson and Jalen Hyatt. Those are those four key guys we've got to keep, keep an eye on. And Paris Campbell, too, has been featured. He's, they have a lot of shorter receivers, guys, in this group. Uh, Paris Campbell came over from the Colts. They just didn't work out as a former highly picked guy out of uh, Ohio State. Has not worked. Did not work in Indianapolis. And right now in New York, it's just he's on the field. It's really it. Hasn't been featured a ton. I mean, he's fourth in targets on the team. 16 catches for 85 yards, about five yards a catch. That's not scaring me, right, if I'm a Washington secondary. So that is their receiving core, and that is the offense for the New York Giants. Again, bottom line, front four has got to create pressure. Blitzing, stunts, twists, pressure inside the contact window, and making life tough on Darren Waller, not sitting off 10 yards, especially if they get in the red zone, They're going to target Darren Waller. Cannot sit back and allow Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones to just play catch with their big tight end, who's one of the best tight ends in football over the middle of the field. Whether they want to align him next to the tackle or they want to flex mountain space. He's a dynamic weapon that Washington is going to absolutely have to account for. Whoever is under center for the Giants this week. So let's flip over to the other side of the ball. And this is where... Look, I like defense, guys. I love defense. I know the old saying of defense wins championships, but when you got Wink Martindale running the show and aggressive, in your face, blow your chin strap off, put your face in the dirt, let you know about it, take your lunch money. As a defensive player, if I'm one of the 11 for the Giants on the field and I see my defensive coordinator over there that trusts the secondary and coverage to run man-to-man, and as an edge guy... He wants me to get the get pressure consistently. Doesn't want me do, doing anything weird as far as dropping in coverage on third downs that we've seen from Chase Young over the years. Linebackers get after people, make plays at the second level, blitz. He's aggressive. And he will make Sam Howell work this week. I promise you guys on that. If you expect Washington to look, you look at the record one and five and you say, ah, the Giants aren't good. From a baseline perspective, one in five is not good. But this defense has ball players. While the injuries have really piled up for them on offense, have not seen it a ton on defense. One of my favorite corners in this year's draft, Deontay Banks from the University of Maryland, will start at corner for them. He has been excellent the first month and a half of the season in the NFL. Very happy to see that as someone that I I loved. You guys know, back in the spring, if you were with me, it talked about Deontay Banks a ton. Washington had interest in him coming out of Maryland. Obviously, they liked Emmanuel Forbes more than him. But Deontay went on day one, again, from Maryland. Two Maryland corners were taken in last year's draft. Obviously, Jacorian Bennett as well went to the, to the Las Vegas Raiders later in that draft process. But Deontay was the headliner, and he's been a headliner for this Giants defense. But we'll get to the secondary in a little bit. 
Up front is where it starts. Dexter Lawrence has yet to get on the sack sheet just yet, but he's one of the premier defensive tackles in all of football. One tech, three tech, it landed at the zero, right in front of the nose, right in front of the nose of the center, excuse me. He's got 21 pressures through six games. So I'm not a math wizard, but that's over three pressures a game. Those three pressures can create havoc, fumbles, anything. Hands in the face of Sam Howell, and then eventually get a sack. We know that Washington's offensive line has been leaky. Not only just as a front five as a whole protecting, but Sam Howell getting the ball out of his hands. And it's not just Dexter Lawrence. Kayvon Thibodeau, top 10 pick last year out of Oregon, leads them in sacks with four. He's the only defensive player on the Giants to have more than one sack. He's got 16 pressures in six games. Really good athlete off the edge. We saw him in that second game last year. Massive playoff implications for Washington when the Giants came into town. They lost that game to where he completely took Charles Leno behind the barn. It was not a good day for Charles Leno. That second game against the Giants last week, one-on-one most of the time, isolated against Kayvon Thibodeau. Leonard Williams, he'll play some defensive end. He'll play some defensive tackle. He's got 13 pressures. Those are their headliners, guys. Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams. Specifically with Williams and Lawrence, veterans in this league, again, can slide up and down the defensive line, really good in the run game. But they are not there to be run stoppers. They are there to get after the passer. And they are not just going to sit back and send four, like we've seen from Jack Del Rio consistently. They are going to send pressure. They are going to force Sam Howell to slide his protections. They are going to force Sam Howell to understand where his hots are and his progressions. They are going to force Sam Howell to get the ball out of his hands quick. Not to Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson or Curtis Samuel. They want it to be to Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, within that 7 to 10 yard range of the offense or shallower. That's what they want to do. Their linebackers are really good. I'm going to get, them, get to them in a second. But when you have a group up front like this, they drafted Aziz Ojolari, who's been in and out of the lineup for the first month and a half of the season out of Georgia. Really exciting young player. The production has not been there in year two as it was in year one, where he nearly teased with 10 sacks in his rookie season. But he's someone that can get after the passer as well. So that is really the guy's within their front. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari. From a rotational perspective, they rotate in Boogie Basham, who came over from Buffalo. Ashawn Robinson, former Bama products, been with the Rams for a while. Rotational athlete for them. But those are the names to know. So let's slide back to the linebacking group to where this is one of, in my opinion, one of the more underrated groups in football. And I talk a lot of about it a ton as far as where the best defenses in football start. And it starts at the core of your defense. I know we love to get sexy about the guys up front getting after the quarterback, who's creating pressures, who's got the strip sacks. This guy's got 12 sacks. This guy's got eight. Look, we have those numbers with Washington's front four that we've seen in years past. And we've seen in these last few weeks with how Chase has gotten going and Deron, how dominant he's been at times. And of course, what John Allen and Montez Sweat offer as well. 
But the linebacking core, when I look at this Giants defense and what they allow the front four to do and the secondary to where their secondary's got some pieces that are really young, but they're getting their feet wet quick to where Wink Martindale doesn't have a grace period for rookies. You're a rookie, you're, you're on the field, you're on the field. Doesn't matter if you're a first-year guy or a sixth-year guy. You got to operate the way I want to operate, and that is a physical, aggressive defense. But Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden, Okereke, I mentioned it in last week's post-game podcast. He was of interest to Washington this offseason coming over from the Colts. It was Washington's, one of their free agent targets. They settled for Cody Barton. Not going to say this, don't want to use that word settle. Because I like at times what I've seen from Cody Barton. But flip on that game against Buffalo last week and watch what Bobby Okereke did. If you didn't watch that game, you can check out my Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler where I pulled some clips from that ball game and posted them on my Twitter as far as his impact that he has at the second level. A veteran linebacker that can play the run and play the pass at a high level. He was stripping balls, had a pick, he's batting passes, he's getting after the quarterback through the A and B gaps. He's just filling vacant alleys quickly behind the line of scrimmage taking on ball carriers one-on-one and taking them down before they get their feet going. He's been excellent. Again, came over from the Colts this offseason, and then Micah McFadden, day three pick out of Indiana last year. Really aggressive young ball player. Flying number to number, downhill, can flip and run. Not as smooth in coverage as Okereke is, but this is a really good group of linebackers for this Giants defense, and I know it hasn't been pretty, but this is a group that's going to make it tough for Washington to run the football both up the middle, they want to run power, and to the outside edges, they want to run outside zone and start pulling some guards. And if you want to do some things on the edge with screens, they can run. They can blow through blocks. They're good at stacking and shedding. They're smart. Multiple times last week against Buffalo, we look at Okereke, that robot technique coverage to where he's keeping his eyes on the quarterback for play action. He then has to turn his back to the quarterback, flip his hips, find the ball, find the crosser, and then make a play on the football. He did that multiple times against the Buffalo Bills. Again, that's called a robot technique. Saw that in times with Jamin Davis to where people will say, oh, he has no clue where he's going. No, that's called robot. Roll over and back is what that stands for. Robot technique as a linebacker, keeping your eyes on the quarterback, keeping your eyes on play action. Up, he's not a run. I'm dropping back. I'm flipping. I'm finding the crosser. I'm making a play on the football. That's what Bobby Okereke has done all year long for this Giants defense, but it popped up a ton against Buffalo. It's not easy to do, the highest level of the game, but both these guys can do it. And Sam Howell's got his work cut out for him in identifying where they are every single play. Are they blitzing? Are they not? And this front five, picking these guys up at the second level is going to be very important. Uh, They want to get Brian Robinson going early in this football game. So that is their linebacking core. They brought over Isaiah Simmons as far as that chess piece, former first round pick, Uh, From Clemson to the Arizona Cardinals, it just did not work out there. Now he's in New York, and he's an athlete that's been playing in the slot. He's been playing in the box. He moves around. He is an ultimate chess piece, really impressively built athlete, can run. Again, just, just has not figured it out just yet at the NFL level. It really comes down to that common saying of not all athletes are good football players. There's a difference between the two. And when you can mesh both, you got yourself a hell of a football player. The Cardinals thought he was going to be that for their defense, that modern box defender to where he can defend the run and then flip and cover guys in man. 
run the seam with a 4-5 four, four, tight end. They thought he could be that. He hasn't been that just yet. But he is a modern-day defender, a chess piece within this defense, and you're going to see number 19 flying around a little bit at multiple levels for this Giants defense this week. So from there, let's go back to the secondary. Young players in Deontay Banks, as I mentioned earlier, first-round pick out of Maryland. They drafted Trey Hawkins the third out of ODU, for you ODU alum out there, down in Norfolk in the 757. Look, I know Taylor Heineke was one of the more famous ODU or notable alums to come out of there, but Trey Hawkins, sixth-round pick, he started earlier this year opposite of Deontay Banks, where Dory Jackson, excuse me, was playing nickel. But over the last few weeks, he's, his snap count has slowly decreased just because he's enjoyed some struggles on the outside. Not to the level that we've seen in Washington from Emmanuel Forbes just far so far in the first month of the year to where Emmanuel, again, did not earn a single defensive or special team snap against the Atlanta Falcons. But Trey Hawkins right now is their CB3, and we will see if Adoree Jackson does start again opposite of Banks this week. He's been limited in practice all week long. We will see. But the biggest thing for me is Deontay Banks, who has been flat out, in my opinion, outstanding for this Giants defense. Six foot, about 205, 4'3 speed. Man, zone, smart, technically elite in certain aspects of his game. Always aware of his landmarks and coverage. Really good in the run game and setting the edge, getting off blocks. Physical. Fits this Wink Martindale defense perfect. Would have liked to have seen him in the burgundy gold. He and Christian Gonzalez were my favorite corners in this draft. You go back to April. Not just saying that because obviously we've seen the success from these two. You can go back to April in my, pe- my pre-draft podcasts, and I talked about these two, specifically Deontay as a local guy out of Maryland. Just a really good ball player. Teams haven't been shy in picking on him on the perimeter. He's got 25 targets against in six weeks. Only allowed 13 catches, about a 52% completion percentage for 120 yards and one, uh, two touchdowns, excuse me. One allowed against San Francisco, one allowed against Seattle. Doesn't have a pick, but does have two PBUs. It, guys, I, I can't say it enough. I mean, Terry McLaurin, look, the names go on and on for Washington's receiving core. Last few weeks, it's been the Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuel show. Jahan Dotson, I would like to see him get involved this week. I think this is a week where he can specifically on designated touches and quick timing routes and slants over the middle of a field. This week is big for Washington's passing game. And why I say that is they have some ball players on the defensive side of the football. Defensively, with Washington's defense facing the Giants' offense, I expect them to have a lot of success this week is what I'll say. I do expect them to have success. But Washington's offense facing this defense might be a battle at times. They got players. They've used capital over the years to bring bodies into this defense consistently. Consistently. Traded for Leonard Williams. Drafted Dexter Lawrence on day one back in 2019. Deontay Banks is a day one pick. 
Trey Hawkins was a day three pick. They drafted Micah McFadden. They brought over Bobby Okereke this offseason at linebacker. They traded for Isaiah Simmons. All these players are new additions. And they got bodies. Cordell Flott was a day two pick out of LSU who plays some nickel for them. Looks a lot like Emmanuel Forbes. About 170 pounds soaking wet and six foot. Looks a lot like Emmanuel Forbes. We will see if he plays this week. He's also been battling injury. But if they want to run man on the outside, Deontay Banks against Terry McLaurin, not going to say Terry's going to dominate the kid. You look at the last three weeks, Deontay Banks facing three, four, five, and six. San Francisco allowed three catches for 34 yards against Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Then he comes back, it's against Seattle, DK Metcalf. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett allows three catches for 34 yards. Then they go to Miami, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, three catches on five targets, 15 yards. Then he goes to Sunday Night Football against Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, no catches on three targets. So this last month of the season, Hasn't been any slouch as far as who the hell he's facing on the perimeter, guys, as the primary man in coverage. So this is nothing new seeing number 17 and Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel come into town. So I expect Deontay Banks to have another good game this week and a guy that Sam Howell wants to target. Be careful in what you target against Deontay Banks. He can make plays both in the passing game and as a guy coming downhill in the run game as well. He'll blow up a screen pass, and then he'll flip his hips and carry Terry McLaurin 50 yards down the field. He can do that. Again, six foot, 205 with 4'3 speed. That doesn't grow on trees, folks. The reason why he was a first-round pick, the 25th overall selection in the 2023 draft back in April. So again, Deontay Banks, their, their number one corner on this roster. They drafted him in the first round to be so. Dory Jackson has been starting on the outside after playing some nickel. See if he plays this week. Trey Hawkins is their CB3. Cordell Flott will play some nickel for them. Uh, former day two pick again out of LSU, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago. Very thin. Looks like Emmanuel Forbes, but he can run. Really, really good instincts um, in coverage. But just right now, an average corner at this time um, in his career. But he will get a ton of snaps. Rotationally, Darnay Holmes, who's lived at nickel for them since he came uh, into the league as a fourth rounder back in 2020, but right now he's more of a rotational piece, more of a special teams core player. In the safeties room, they lost Julian Love to Seattle, but it's Jason Pinnock and Xavier McKinney, former second round pick out of Alabama back in the COVID year. Really good ball player, plays about every single snap for them. He is basically their cam curl. He'll play low, he'll play high, he'll cover guys out of the backfield, running backs or tight ends, a leader right at that third level. But a guy I really like is Dane Belton. Uh, rotational safety for them. Fourth rounder out of Iowa last year. Doesn't get enough attention. Really good on special teams. Someone that can play high and low. Physical. Will blow, blow your chin strap off. Will make plays in the football. Always hunting the ball as far as hunting ball carriers. Whether it's someone in front of them. Whether it's reaching from the backside. Really good athlete from the Iowa Hawkeyes coming in again as a fourth rounder last year, that now in year two in this Wink Martindale defense, he has some freedom and some autonomy in the back end of this defense to where he's not a starter, but he plays a lot of snaps and he's just a hell of a football player. So that is 
the New York Giants. As always, preview the special teamers for you guys that love the special teamers, the punters and kickers. You're going to see Jamie Gillen as their punter and Graham Gano, who is our old friend, Graham Gano in Washington. Had a lot of success in Carolina, has had a lot of success as well in New York. And we've seen that in the past to where he can hit consistently from 40 plus. You get him back to 50 plus, he can knock it through in that 55, 56, 57 range. Graham Gano still got a boot on him. And he's one of, in my opinion, still one of the better kickers in the league. I know the numbers aren't perfect, but he can hit it. Whether he's aligned on the hash, whether they're straight up and the upright's right in front of him, one of the better kickers in football. And if they're not able to get in the end zone and they have to consistently rely on Graham Gano, we saw it in that Buffalo game, he can knock it through on a consistent basis. So again, Jamie Gillen is their punter, Graham Gano as their kicker. And I mentioned Eric Gray earlier, day three pick out of Oklahoma as their punt returner and kick returner. He's got some juice uh, to his game, really strong lower half, a lot like Saquon Barkley. He's built a lot like Saquon Barkley. Um, Saw him down at the Senior Bowl, really good vision, quick twitch, Um, not a dynamic punt returner, kick returner right now at this point in his career, but this is how he's getting snaps. And sometimes special teams pave a way for guys to get some snaps, whether on offense or defense. So it is rookie Eric Gray as their punt returner, kick returner that we're going to see on Sunday at one o'clock MetLife Stadium on CBS. Hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy the college football slate on Saturday. We got Penn State, Ohio State, a top 10 matchup in the Big Ten. It's going to be huge towards obviously the CFP to come in the next few months. It's Guys, crazy to think that it's already October 20th and the college season is almost nearing the back end of their schedule. So enjoy your college football slate on Saturday, starting at noon all the way to Pac-12 games late in the night. And then of course, Sunday, one o'clock at MetLife Stadium, one and five Giants hosting the three and three Sam Howell-led Washington Commanders, a game where I expect Washington to come in and win that football game. They cannot come in and completely crap the bed in this football game. Again, divisional games are hard. Divisional games on the road are tough. Washington's won only one game at MetLife since 2019. One game. Remember, we tied there last year. Hate ties. Hate ties. But that's what happened. Only only won once there in nearly a handful of years. So this is a big game for Washington to get to one and one in the division before another divisional game next week at home and to get to four and three, seven weeks into the season. So that is going to do it for today's podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us at, again, on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. My written work is at Bleacher Report. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a podcast out for you on Monday morning, win, loss, or tie. But it's a good week for Washington to get to four and three, one and one in the division, and to move the Giants to 1-6 and six and forcing them to look at their golf schedule and their vacation schedule already as we sit here approaching Halloween. So as always, appreciate you guys' time. I'll talk to you on Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.